Section 68 of Final Report of the Advisory Committee on Human Radiation Experiments. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Final Report of the Advisory Committee on Human Radiation Experiments. Case Studies, Chapter 13, Part 4. The Fallout Data Network. Projects Gabriel and Sunshine. The study of fallout began with the effects of the first atomic bomb test in New Mexico in 1945. In 1949, the AEC commissioned Project Gabriel, a study to determine how many atomic weapons could be detonated before radioactive contamination of air, water, and soil would have a long-range effect upon crops, animals, and humans the AEC soon created a worldwide network for the collection and measurement of fallout, typically by permitting it to fall on a horizontal gummed paper or plastic sheet. By 1954, Gabriel included about 70 investigations supported by the Division of Biology and Medicine, involving 325 person years of labor per year and costing $3.325 million annually. In the early 1950s, the Defense Department created its own fallout research program under the auspices of the Armed Forces Special Weapons Project. The Public Health Service joined with the AEC and the DOD in monitoring fallout around the Nevada test site. In 1953, under contract to the AEC and the Air Force, the RAND Corporation convened a review of Gabriel. The study was directed by Dr. Willard Libby, a University of Chicago radiochemist who would receive the Nobel Prize in 1960 for the development of the radioactive carbon dating method. The resulting report concluded that strontium-90, SR-90, was the most dangerous long-term global radioactive product of bomb testing, and that a global study of strontium-90 fallout was needed. The report noted how atmospheric testing had, as an unintended side effect, introduced tracers into the world's ecosystem. Until comparatively recently, it would have been extremely difficult, if not impossible, to obtain a measure of a number of the parameters. Today, we are afforded the opportunity of doing a radioactive tracer chemistry experiment on a worldwide scale. The group recommended that studies then current be supplemented by a worldwide assay of the distribution of strontium-90 from the nuclear detonations which have occurred. This assay has been designated Project Sunshine. The name for the project would be variously attributed to the project's gestation in Santa Monica, California, where RAND was headquartered, and to the determination to measure the presence of strontium in sunshine units three laboratories were engaged to analyze samples of strontium-90 one at libby's research center at the university of chicago another at the lamont geological observatory of columbia university and a third at the new york office of the aec the long-term goals of the full-scale study would be to one determine if a hazard had already been created by fallout two determine the number of bombs that could be exploded without creating a hazard, and three, determine the mechanisms by which radioactive materials might become concentrated. Secrecy and Deception in Fallout Studies Project Sunshine's Collection of Human Bones Project Sunshine was born in secrecy. 
the decision to keep the existence of the worldwide assay secret limited the freedom in which suitable combinations of samples might be obtained from foreign countries for the pilot program the report suggested that twelve human samples bone and teeth be drawn from each of six regions around the world in addition samples would be drawn from livestock foodstuffs water and soil the discussion of collecting individual samples was limited to means of ensuring uniformity in practice without mention of the ethical relationship between investigators and human subjects an early effort concerned the collection of baby bones in an october nineteen fifty three letter to dr libby robert a dudley of the d b m explained that the collection process would proceed through personal contacts with foreign doctors and groups like the rockefeller foundation which had many overseas contacts because the chief of the d b m dr john booger advised that security specifications needed to be maintained a cover story would be employed the stated purpose of the collection is to be for a survey of the natural radium burden of human bones there are still enough uncertainties regarding threshold dose for injury to provide a plausible explanation for further surveys as for the emphasis on infants we can say that such samples are easy to obtain here and that we would like to keep our foreign collections comparable dudley explained that the aec wanted to be kept out of the picture where possible but to be helpful i would still be prepared to do all the work except for providing the signature one week later dudley wrote to shields warren in boston dudley noting the process was proceeding pretty much on the lines you suggested sought warren's assistance in contacting another boston doctor who might not be in on the full story dudley offered that while the real purpose will of course remain secret we do expect to make radium analyses on at least some of the samples so our story is merely incomplete not false on the same day dudley wrote to his father the director of a missionary organization also in boston the letter explained the public purpose of the data gathering and solicited assistance on november tenth evidently from a referral from his father the aec official wrote to the christian medical association in nadia pradesh india also soliciting assistance finally the dbm sought assistance from civilian organizations that already had well-developed contacts at the local level in foreign countries what was the real purpose that had to be kept so carefully concealed even from those who were actually assisting the project on december ninth dudley sent a letter to a doctor at the aec's project at the university of rochester that explained for you alone the aec's real interest this letter will explain in a little more detail than i was able to do over the phone our interest in obtaining infant skeletons from japan the division of biology and medicine is engaged in a project to evaluate the long-range radiological hazard which might result from the large-scale use of atomic weapons in order to help in the evaluation of the hazard we are providing for the direct measurement of the worldwide sr ninety distribution which has resulted from the forty or fifty nuclear detonations in the last few years one type of sample on which we are concentrating is the bones of infants either stillborn or up to a year or two of age we have found that stillborn bones are easy to obtain in the united states and are trying to extend our collection to foreign countries it appears that the abcc 
atomic bomb casualty commission would be a logical contact in japan we could use perhaps six or eight skeletons from that area it has been decided for various reasons including public and international relations to classify this project secret for the present hence the unclassified description of our purpose in obtaining these bones is for radium analyses the july nineteen fifty four gabriel report summarized the human animal and animal product samples that had been analyzed the list included stillborns from chicago fifty five utah one velour southern india three and human legs for massachusetts three soon the d o d was also engaged in fallout data gathering in the fall of nineteen fifty four the armed forces special weapons project established a fallout study group following a request for information from the joint chiefs of staff in nineteen fifty four d o d planned a secret project to collect human urine and animal milk and tissue samples following the nineteen fifty five operation teapot tests in nevada the work was coordinated by the walter reed army institute for research with review from researchers at the harvard medical school and the national institutes of health the purpose of the effort was to establish a baseline for forthcoming pacific tests the military data gathering also included a cover story a december sixteenth nineteen fifty four memorandum from the chief of the armed forces special weapons project stated at least in regard to the animal sampling the actual data obtained are secret and the sample collection should be discreetly handled it is suggested that a statement be included in the instructions to the effect that these samples are being collected for nutritional studies in january nineteen fifty five the gabriel sunshine program was the subject of a classified biophysics conference convened by the division of biology and medicine the spring nineteen fifty four marshall islands disaster had the attendees were told added new urgency to their task i keep reading noted one participant the articles by the alsops and others journalists of the high-level groups which are frantically trying to find the answer to how many bombs we can detonate without producing a race of monsters the secret transcript of the conference declassified from restricted data status only in nineteen ninety five shows that the aec and its researchers assigned a high priority to what was referred to as body snatching no aec program explained dr libby who had become an aec commissioner was more important than sunshine there were great gaps in knowledge and human samples were essential to fill them human samples are of prime importance and if anybody knows how to do a good job of body snatching they will really be serving their country in the nineteen fifty three rand sunshine study libby recalled an expensive law firm was hired to study the law of body snatching the lawyer's analysis showed how very difficult it is going to be to do it legally nonetheless excellent sources were available from several places including new york vancouver and houston in houston said columbia university's lawrence culp they intend to get virtually every death in the age range we are interested in that occurs in the city of houston they have a lot of poverty cases and so on where good personal relationships with medical sources existed dr culp offered the men did not require you to tell them anything except that they realized it was something confidential 
they could guess and they probably didn't guess very wrong but they were willing to cooperate just on the basis that this was an important thing with a connection through one of the top medical people who is internationally known it will not be hard at all to be able to establish the sites that we should establish the dbm's dr bucher explained that the aec was exploring the possibility of a special clearance l so that medical professionals who did not want to fill out any forms could be briefed on a limited basis you are he stated dealing with directors of hospitals and pathologists and persons in general who have an understanding of the seriousness of the project in which we are engaged libby hoped to declassify at least the existence of the sunshine program whether this is going to help in the body snatching program i don't know i think it will it is he said a delicate problem of public relations obviously the efforts bore fruit a report on sunshine's nineteen fifty five nineteen fifty six operations recorded that during that period hundreds of human bone samples were collected by dozens of stations abroad and by researchers in boston denver houston and new york in addition to the sunshine related research the aec sponsored further efforts to gather human tissue in order to study the effects of radiation on weapons complex workers as well as fallout on citizens in a june nineteen ninety five report the general accounting office summarized fifty-nine studies most of which were conducted and terminated in the nineteen fifties and nineteen sixties while many probably the great majority were not secret programs the g a o found that typically no information can now be located about the consent practices that were followed today the department of energy sponsors a program under which those with documented exposures to certain radioactive elements may donate their tissues for research the operations of the transuranium and uranium registries are subject to review by an institutional review board and donors must sign a consent form in sum during the nineteen fifties the aec promoted human tissue sampling for studies on fallout and other research and its efforts involved secrecy and deception the aec evidently considered the legal aspects of body snatching but there is no evidence that it sought to consider any independent ethical requirements for disclosure to the families of the subjects or the subjects themselves were alive whose tissue was sampled while further rationale for keeping the data gathering secret may have existed in surviving documents concern for public relations emerges as the dominant motivation at the same time the aec recognized that secrecy hampered the conduct of research that it believed central to the public interest secrecy public opinion and credibility on reviewing the transcript of the nineteen fifty five biophysics conference in nineteen ninety five dr merrill eisenbud a former aec official who participated in the session expressed surprise that the document had been classified in the first place there was he observed nothing that merited national security classification if anything perhaps it merited the category of official use only which instructs officials not to publicize the document but is not a category in the formal classification system as in the case of the aec's nineteen forty seven nineteen forty eight decision to keep experimental data secret however information on fallout data gathering appears to have been classified out of concern that public opinion 
in the united states but also elsewhere might imperil u s weapons development programs in november nineteen fifty four aec officials met for lunch with the secretary of defense charles wilson the signator of the nineteen fifty three memorandum discussed in chapter one to discuss civilian evacuation in case of atomic warfare and the related question of what the public should be told about fallout secretary wilson an aec record of the meeting summarizes stressed the importance of not arousing public anxiety in this country or abroad by public official discussions of the dangers of atomic warfare particularly with reference to fallout he expressed the view that too much had already been said publicly about fallout and he urged that before the government reveals the full extent of the dangers to be expected the government work out the answers to a lot of questions as to what our citizens could do in the event of an atomic blitz obviously records a history of the aec by aec and doe historians estimates of the biological effects of fallout on large human populations were more likely to arouse fear and controversy than were small-scale experiments on laboratory animals thus it was not surprising that initial studies of large-scale effects were highly classified and unknown to the public within a very short period however much of the secret research was disclosed but under circumstances where as the aec itself came to recognize its credibility as an information source was seriously impaired the marshall islands disaster and the attendant controversy related to the irradiation of the crew of a japanese fishing boat in the area marked the beginning of a worldwide debate on fallout that would end with a ban on atmospheric testing following this event ban the bomb protests began in britain two years later in nineteen fifty six presidential candidate adlai stevenson called for an end to nuclear testing soon thereafter the closely held fallout research began to become public in october libby addressing the american association for the advancement of science at the dedication of its new headquarters in washington reported that the amounts of strontium-90 entering the bodies of children were well below the maximum permissible concentration. In February 1957, Dr. Culp and his associates presented the results of their study of 1,500 human bones from around the world. The report made the front page of the New York Times. In June, the National Academy of Sciences issued a report noting that strontium-90 and genetic effects were two potentially long-term hazards from nuclear testing. The public fallout debate was on, pitting scientists against one another. Test ban advocates, a history of the fallout controversy recounted, always stressed the great potential hazard from fallout over a long period of time. Their opponents minimized the danger by pointing to similar or greater risks that people routinely accepted, such as luminous wristwatches and medical x-rays. In May and June 1957, Congress's Joint Committee on Atomic Energy held its first public hearings on the dangers of fallout. The initial 1953 Sunshine Report, Worldwide Effects of Atomic Weapons, Project Sunshine, was apparently declassified on may twenty fifth two days before the hearings began most of the debate focused on the dangers of strontium ninety in june 
commissioner libby responded to a proposal from an nih official for the use of children's milk teeth to measure strontium ninety the idea was good but he advised in the immediate aftermath of the first highly publicized hearings on fallout i would not encourage publicity in connection with the program we have found that in collecting human samples publicity is not particularly helpful in october nineteen fifty eight a moratorium on nuclear testing began and in may nineteen fifty nine the joint committee on atomic energy held a second series of hearings on fallout the hearings concluded that the risk was worth the returns to national security but the public debate continued as aec documents on the fallout debate have become available in the intervening years it has become clear that the government's effort to manage public opinion was rooted in a sensitivity to its importance for example in nineteen fifty three following the spring nevada test series ranchers in utah began to report the deaths of their sheep from what it appeared might be radiation burns from the tests the aec convened a panel to consider the continuation of testing at the nevada test site the panel concluded that continued testing was justified by the national interest although risks were inevitable the tests to date were relatively safe but there were serious problems with public reaction the panel found that a sufficient degree of public acceptance has not been achieved radiation remained a mysterious threat but the government had surrounded the program with an aura of secrecy its own statements were not clear and statements by former aec experts or officials had caused near panic concern the public which is expected to accept a certain degree of hazard has not been adequately informed of the extent and nature of the hazard an extensive program of public education was called for the aec study found that the problem was not only with the public there was a lack of agreement and acceptance first within the aec and test management and second among health medical and other scientific individuals and groups the problem was exacerbated by lack of knowledge of this new subject by lack of definition by the extreme sensitivity of the subject and by the resulting nervousness of the various levels of management as shown by the secrecy surrounding the ongoing project sunshine however the public was not let in on the uncertainty of knowledge or on the steps being taken to answer questions of admitted import to all citizens aec insiders recognized that credibility was a problem in a december nineteen fifty four letter to dbm's director charles dunham los alamos health division leader thomas shipman touted the importance of sunshine and suggested a possible role for los alamos at the same time he lamented the lack of credibility possessed by those too closely associated with the aec there is also the fact that los alamos may be regarded as a rather biased institution some people may feel that we are interested parties i certainly am only too well aware of a resistance particularly in the press to accept pronouncements and conclusions coming out of the aec itself strangely enough they were quite willing to accept the conclusions of the national academy of sciences completely forgetting that the subcommittees were in very large measure composed of aec or aec contractor representatives they were the same guys wearing different hats 
in the late nineteen fifties the aec itself came to question whether its data-gathering efforts were serving the purposes of scientific knowledge and public understanding as had been hoped sunshine internal memos recorded lacked coordination and clear goals and the confusion of roles cost credibility the primary reason wrote hal hollister an aec fallout expert that aec is now in the soup with respect to congress the public and the fallout problem is that all three of these relationships with the public reporting data scientifically getting it across to the public and telling official interpretations of it have been inextricably mixed up this has continued to be true after the hearings and the future promises more of the same in 1959, President Dwight Eisenhower acted to take responsibility for radiation safety away from the AEC, placing it in the hands of a new Federal Radiation Council, chaired by the Secretary of the Department of Health, Education, and Welfare. By the mid-1960s, the possibility that data gathering could only get the AEC into more trouble became an incentive to not study at all. In 1965, Dwight, Inc., general manager of the aec advised against conducting proposed studies on the detrimental effects of nuclear testing partly because of liability concerns performance of the above u s public health service studies will pose potential problems to the commission the problems are a adverse public reaction b lawsuits and c jeopardizing the programs at the nevada test site in his DOE-sponsored History of the AEC and Nuclear Testing Safety, Barton Hacker, laboratory historian at DOE's Lawrence Livermore Laboratory, concluded that, while AEC officials did not doubt that testing could be done safely if precautions were taken, there was divergence about what to tell the public, and reassurance won out over information. The people in the field those involved in the test program directly tended to favor telling the public just what the risk was and stressing that whatever risk testing might impose was far outweighed by the national importance of the test program openness they argued would retain public trust and ensure continued testing however aec officials in general headquarters staff members in particular mostly prefer to reassure rather than inform convinced that trying to explain risks so small would simply confuse people and might cause panic they feared jeopardizing the testing vital to american security their policy prevailed a formal public relations plan became as much a part of every test as the technical operations plan carefully crafted press releases never to my knowledge lied though they sometimes aired yet by the same token they rarely if ever revealed all choices about which truths to tell which to omit could routinely veil the larger implications of a situation reluctance to acknowledge any risk the policy that mainly prevailed in the nineteen fifties hacker concluded undercut the aec's credibility when the public learned from other sources that fallout might be hazardous End of section 68.